So, um, Hare Krishna, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. It is November 21st, 2021. I have this fancy new microphone, which I've had for a few weeks. And it's a, you're supposed to hear me better. So if you don't hear me better, uh, what's wrong with you? Just kidding. That was a joke. Anyway, so uh, today we're beginning with, let's see, got to go back because I was looking through these verses. Um, yes, beginning with First uh, Canto, chapter 14, text 19. This is, today is all going to be viraha bhakti. Viraha means separation. And uh, scholars have noted, and of course, our own acharyas have noted, that one of the uh, unique features of Lord Chaitanya's movement, and perhaps ultimately spiritually the most powerful feature, is that uh, one develops this very intense, intimate love of Krishna, and one develops it especially by experiencing uh, this ecstatic mood of separation. For example, if you look at the gopis or the cowherd boys, um, of course, they always loved Krishna intensely, but when Krishna left Vrindavan, it was actually Krishna's way of demonstrating the actual intensity of their love. When Krishna left, of course, he didn't really leave Vrindavan. He made that very clear when he met the residents of Vrindavan at the solar... I think a solar eclipse uh, occasion where they all met at Kurukshetra. They actually all met again. And uh, Krishna explained, you were never really separated from me. In fact, this intense love and separation brings one most powerfully into the Lord's direct association. But still, it's in that separation that you really you see their real love. For example, let's say there's a couple in this world, a man and a woman who believe they love each other or claim they love each other. And let's say they're separated for a year. Do they stay faithful to each other? Does their relationship survive the separation? And as we know in this world, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So separation, you could say, is the real test of love. Uh, it's funny because there's an old sort of demonic trick that men use to seduce women, at least in the old days when women were, had some, you know, let's say there was a higher standard of chastity among women in general. Of course, today there are many very chaste women, but at least back in the old days, when I was young, when that was the standard, uh, a man would say to the woman, prove your love for me. In other words, if you really love me, then uh, you know, they wanted to have sex, or the man wanted to have sex, which is obviously cheating, just being a rogue. Uh, obviously, the correct reply from the woman would be, if you you prove your love by marrying me. But in any case, what I want to say is that the real proof of love is not sex. It doesn't prove anything except that someone or both people are lusty. That's all that proves. The real proof of love is what happens when you're separated. Do you stay faithful? When you're separated from someone that you claim to love, does your love increase or does it diminish? And so this is what Krishna 
is demonstrating to the world for all posterity that in separation, the love of his pure devotees is intensified. It's and and and, and separation from Krishna reveals to the world how much the devotees love Krishna. Now, in this case, the Pandavas, because the Pandavas, of course, were or are Kshatriyas. And we often see them in the Mahabharata and in the Raghavatam interacting with Krishna. They talk to each other. But usually it's, uh, it's kind of, as they say, shop talk. It's kind of talking business, like they're Kshatriyas. Okay, we need to attack this demon, or that demon may attack us, or... Or, you know, should we go to war? How should we deal with Duryodhana? So uh, if you look at Mahabharata, a lot of the conversations between Krishna and Arjuna regard uh, professional situations. Even if you look at the Bhagavad Gita, uh, <clears throat> where Krishna convinces Arjuna to fight, and most of the Gita, of course, is philosophy, perfect philosophy. And Krishna warning Arjuna that if you don't fight, you're really going to make a fool out of yourself. And why are you acting like this anyway? What happened to you? And so here in the Bhagavatam, and this is what makes the Bhagavatam so special, we are seeing Yudhisthira and Arjuna and of course all the Pandavas, not as so much as warriors, not as um, in charge of a government, not strategizing with Krishna, but really as just pure devotees who have this powerful, intimate, pure love for Krishna. And so the Bhagavatam is revealing a side of the Pandavas, or especially here, Yudhisthira and Arjuna, that we don't see very often in the Gita or uh, in the Mahabharata. Of course, the Gita is part of the Mahabharata. So let's begin these verses and see what's happening. So Yudhisthira, at this point, is still observing omens signs which he's interpreting in the normal way and Arjuna is not back yet so he says the calves don't literally don't drink the breast of of or the uh, of the of the cow the pibanti so the, so the the calves are not taking milk from their mothers and the mothers uh, are not giving milk. Mothers are not giving milk. Prabhupada says, don't allow milking. So this most common, natural thing that calves drink milk from their mothers. So all of nature is in turmoil. That's the point here. All of nature is in turmoil because Krishna has left. The cows are crying. And cows, as we know, do cry. Cows are crying with tears streaming down their face. It's interesting. It doesn't actually say 
tears in their eyes, it says literally with with tear faces. Because when, you know, someone may weep a tear and brush it away, but when you're really crying, your face is just covered with tears. At least all your cheeks, right? So so that's what it's saying here. They're, it's not just they shed a tear, so to speak, but actually their they're, they're, tears are streaming down. There's, their face is filled with these tears. Nahrishanti, Rishabhabrajay, and the bulls do not take pleasure in the pasture. So, you know, bulls, they like to get out in the pasture. They're free. They can walk around where they want, especially back in the ancient world, even in Europe, actually, before a few hundred years ago, they didn't really have fences so much. People just, you know, one thing you don't hear about in the Bhagavatam regarding Vrindavan is fences. The, the bulls can just wander and the cows. So they're not, they take no pleasure in this freedom to wander and graze in the pasturing ground. So then the next verse, 20, Daivatani uh, Rudantiva. So it's as if the deities are crying. Even the deities are crying. Of course, the deities. But you have to remember back then in ancient India, uh, and even today, actually, in modern India, I mean, most of the deities are not Krishna deities. People have all kinds of demigods and goddesses because business as usual. I mean, we have to keep in mind that most people are not transcendentalists. Krishna says, Samahatma uh, Sudurlaba, someone that takes me as everything is very rare. So we're not talking about a country full of trying to get closer to the microphone so you can hear me. I mean, I know you can hear me, but it's supposed to enhance the sound. I'm trying to be nice to the people who want me to use a microphone. So, Daivatani Rudantiva, the deities are, are weeping, crying. It's as if they're crying. All kinds of deities. And Swidyanti Yuchalanticha, and they're sweating, they're perspiring, and they're leaving. The deities are leaving. Either it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean there were all these wooden or metal deities walking around, but it could be that we know that there's an installation ceremony for deities where the deity really comes in, or, or the, the divine personality really comes into that form that's been prepared. And so somehow they're leaving, they're sweating, they're leaving. <clears throat> However, you take that. Then Ime Janapadagrama Puro Dhyana. Udhyana, Akarashama, Brastasriyo. So there's a whole list of places that are Brastasriyo. They've lost their beauty. They've lost their opulence. So here's a list of the places. Ime, uh, these, Janabada, which means settlements, towns, literally people places. So Janapada means towns and Grama, villages. Pura cities, larger cities, Udhyana, uh, agriculture, agricultural areas, Akara, Akara can mean the source of something, so it can also mean mines. See how, yeah, Prabhupada translates it, translates it as mines, Udhyana as gardens. Uh, ashrama, the ashrams that sages have. Uh, either outside, sometimes they were just outside cities, sometimes they were farther out in the deep forest. So the ashrams, the cities, the the 
agricultural areas, the mining areas, the cities, towns, villages, all of them are brushed as Shio. They've lost their beauty. And Nirananda, there's no Ananda. They've lost their happiness. There's no more pleasure there. So what evil are all of these omens, all of these signs, what evil are they showing us? And the word for showing is darshayanti, which is the causative form of the verb to see. So what evil are they making us see, literally? What evil are they, are they revealing to us, making us see? Prabhupada translates this word as uh, manifest. Uh, so may I read Prabhupada's translation now that you've seen what all those words mean? The deities seem to be crying in the temple, lamenting and perspiring. They seem about to leave. All the cities, villages, towns, gardens, vines, and hermitages are now devoid of beauty and bereft of all happiness. I do not know what sort of calamities are now awaiting us. So that's Prabhupada's translation. So we'll go to the next verse. Uh, so now he's saying, what are they showing us? But now he's going to give his opinion, what he thinks they're showing. Because he really knows. He's just sort of, he doesn't want to say it, but Yudhisthira really knows what's happened. Manya etayar mahot patayar nunam bhagavatat padaya nanya purushak srivir hinabhur hatasobhaga. So again, the simple Sanskrit sentence is that manye, I believe, I think, like the word manas, mind, I think. Prabhupada translates it interesting in the word for word as I take it for granted. But then in the translation, it just says, I think. So, Manye, I think. And so the simple sentence is, I think that Bhur, the earth, Hina is bereft. Hatasobhaga. Uh, and it's, it has lost its good fortune. So that's the simple sentence. I think the earth is bereft. And has lost its good fortune. But bereft of... It's bereft of, and that's all these other words, atire, uh, or has been literally, I mean, anyway, we'll go into the technical grammar. Anyway, I think the earth is bereft of, a, uh, oh, that, uh, actually he says, atire, mahot patire, by these, atire means by these, maha ut patire, by these great disturbances. So ut is up, and pata means like flying, by these flying ups. In other words, disturbances, things that just sort of explode in your face. Uh, Prabhupada translates it in the word for word, Utpatayar, as upsurges, which is a great translation. It's very literal. And uh, he calls it in the translation, disturbances. So that's what it literally means. Things are kind of like flying up. They're not behaving the way they're supposed to, disturbances. So I think by these great disturbances, maha utpata, I think by these great disturbances, that nunam actually, uh, that the earth is bereft of the feet, 
or, the, or Prabhupada takes it the marks of the feet in the word for word. Uh, he takes as the footprints. That the earth is bereft of those of the feet or the, or the footsteps or the of uh, of the Ananya Purusha Shiv here those footsteps which have the beauty the good fortune of the unique person so Anya in Sanskrit Anya means another or other and Ananya. Uh, means no other an anya like we like that Prabhupada often translates it and then uh, translates ananya bhakti as unalloyed bhakti or pure devotion so ananya so ananya purusha srivir which can mean the unique it's a way of saying unique there's nothing else like it the unique opulence of the lord or the opulence or the beauty the fortune of the lord like whom there's no other. So Ananya Purusha Sivir. So now the earth is bereft of that opulence, of that beauty, of that fortune, of the good fortune of the unique person, the supreme person. And uh, actually, uh, you could say also grammatically that the earth is bereft of the footsteps, which is how it translates the footsteps. Uh, of the Lord, which have uh, that uh, that great beauty, because He is the supreme person. So the earth is bereft of that, and therefore hatasso bhaga. Uh, bhaga means like an opulence, as in Bhagavan, and su bhaga means like good opulence, or like a, literally a good portion, like one. Sometimes in English, in Old English, you could say his portion is to suffer or someone has you know has a very good portion in the sense that what fate has given to them and so from the word subhaga good fortune or good opulence you have sobhaga uh which is like just great fortune so the earth has lost that sobhaga the earth has lost that sobhaga the earth has lost that great fortune uh just quickly I'll just tell you what the Sanskrit dictionary says about the word sobhaga, because it's what the earth has lost here when Krishna left. Uh, welfare, happiness, wealth, riches, enjoyment, loveliness, grace, beauty. And actually, in the case of loveliness, grace, and beauty, the word is especially used that way in the Bhagavatam. It's mentioned here in the dictionary. So all that has been lost. And because the earth is now bereft of the lotus feet of the Lord. So uh, that's what Yudhisthira thinks has happened. Of course, he's right. I mean, he really knows. He says, Manye, I think, or I consider, or I've reasoned to this conclusion. And he, he really knows what's going on. So, iti chintaya tastasya. So thus, as he was, Prabhupada says, chinti, it's a thinking to himself. It can mean worrying, analyzing. So iti chinti atastasya drishtadi stena chetasa with a mind which had seen or a mind that was uh, 
considering all these omens. Rajna, as the king was thus worrying, thinking, analyzing with a mind that was, you know, just thinking about visualizing all these evil omens. Pratyagamad Brahman Jadupurya Kapi Dvaja. So Arjuna Kapi Dvaja. Dvaja's flag, Kapi is monkey, in this case Hanuman. Arjuna has Hanuman on his flag, his banner, his war banner. So Arjuna Prati Agamat, which literally means came back. He returned. Arjuna returned, O Brahmana, Yadupurya, from the Yadu city. So Yadu city. From Yadu city, which is Dwarka, Arjuna came back just as Yudhisthira was thinking about all these things. And we'll do one more verse today. So if you had any questions, you have to get them in. So, Tang Padayor Nipatitang Ayata Purvam Aturam Adho Vadanam Abindun Surjantam Nayanab Jayoho. So, uh, This is not a complete sentence, actually. It's it's completed by that. Let's see the next verse. So the first word of the next verse after this one is viloki, which means seeing. So seeing, uh, so seeing Arjun in this condition, Yudhisthira will ask him something. But in this verse, so so this verse, the next verse are actually one complete Sanskrit sentence. Uh, and so if you look at all these words that end in M, as in mother, tam, nipatitam, uh, aturam, ayatapurvam, vadanam, uh, srijantam, all those words that end in the letter M are objects of a verb. They refer to Arjuna. They are objects of the verb vilokya, which is the next, it's the first word of the next verse. And so basically it's Yudhisthira seeing Arjun with all these characteristics. And then the next verse, it's just like in English, if you say, having seen Arjun in this condition, that's not a complete sentence. That's a dependent clause. So the next verse is going to complete it. Anyway, so imagine the word Viloki here. So Seeing him, tam, padayor nipatitam, fallen at his feet. So Arjuna came back and fell at the feet of his older brother, Yudhisthira. Tam, padayor, padayor is the dual case in Sanskrit. It means at the two feet. So seeing him, nipatitam, fallen down at his two feet. Ayata purvam. Purvam means before or previous. In fact, if you look at the PRV in purvam, and the PRV in previous, there's a reason. <laughs> They're actually related words. Previous, also even the word former, where the P is replaced by an F. And so anyway, so yata purvam, as before, as before, as previously. And a yata purvam means as never before. Aturam, disturbed, agitated, or dejected. Prabhupada says here, let's, this is the word aturam, which describes 
Arjun. His condition, Atura, means uh, it can mean suffering, pained by. So Arjun is suffering, Prabhupada says, dejected. Same thing. So Yudhisthira, seeing Arjun fallen at his feet and suffering as never before. And remember, Yudhisthira saw Arjuna suffering on the battlefield of Kurukshetra when he didn't want to fight and Krishna had to teach him the Bhagavad Gita. Yudhisthira had seen that. So this is a suffering that goes even beyond Arjuna at Kurukshetra. So seeing him fallen at his feet, suffering literally as never before, Adho Vadanam, his face was down. So Arjuna cannot even look in the eyes of Yudhisthira. Arjuna, Arjuna cannot even look in the eyes of Yudhisthira. So Adho, Adho means downward. Vadanam, his face is looking down. Abindun Sarjantam, and he's releasing or he's putting out uh, water drops, literally. He's crying. And so, uh, of course, it sounds a little, that's the word stridge, which can also mean create, by the way. Uh, so this verb stridge, uh, to let go, discharge, uh, emit, pour forth, or shed. So shedding water drops, which is a, I mean, it's poetic. It means, it obviously means tears. Uh, bindu, bindu means a drop and ab means water. So uh, ab bindun, shedding tears, water drops. Nayan abjayo, from his two lotus eyes. Again, the dual form, from his two lotus eyes. So maybe I'll do one more just to, you know, I can't end the class in the middle of a sentence. So, so again, the next verse 24 begins with Vilokya. So seeing, seeing all of this, Udvigna uh, Hridiyo, Yudhisthira, whose heart was really shaken. His heart was shaken. Vichayam, Anujangripa, seeing his brother, Vichayam, which uh, probably pale. Pale, Vichayam, Anujang, his brother. Uh, Anuja literally means after born, born after. So that's the way you say brother in Sanskrit. Anuja, a following birth or born after. And of course, Anuja would mean a sister. So the king, seeing Arjuna in this terrible condition, Prichitisma, he of course asked, Surin Man, he inquired, Surin Madhye, in the middle of all their well-wishers. So it's not just Yudhisthira and Arjun. Arjun has come back and there's a lot of people there. I mean, for one thing, there's all these court attendants, their guards, their family members. It's a, you know, it's a royal court. There's a lot of people there. And, and they're all well-wishers. They're all friends. They're all allies. So in the middle of all these friends and well-wishers, Yudhisthira asked, uh, and he asked, Sangsmaran Nara Devitam. And as he asked, he was fully remembering. Smaran would be remembering. This is Sangsmaran. He's clearly remembering. He's fully remembering Nara Devitam, what Arjuna had said. I'm, I'm sorry, what Narada Muni had said. And, and so, of course, uh, Narada had sort of 
predicted all these things that Kali Yuga was coming. So fully remembering that which had been uttered by Narada. So that's the verb he asked. Remembering this and observing that and doing all these things, he then asked. Remembering what Narada said. So Yudhisthira knows. Yudhisthira knows what's happening. He just doesn't. He's asking because he it's too painful for him. He can't say it. So he's just hoping against hope that what he knows is true maybe won't be true. So here we're seeing again this uh, love and separation. We're seeing the Pandavas not just as Krishna's friends and and fellow warriors going to battle together and performing so many pastimes, but actually we're seeing the Pandavas as as these exalted pure devotees with profound love for Krishna who are feeling this unbearable separation from Krishna, which of course is the highest ecstasy. They're not, this is nothing like material suffering, but still the Bhagavatam wants to show us in case someone got the wrong impression from the Mahabharata. Remember that in chapter five, when Narada comes to see the distraught Vyasa, Vyasa suffering and Narada comes and he says, well, you, um, didn't really give a clear explanation of the truth because you were trying to accommodate. Basically, basically, Mahabharata was kind of like the original bridge program. It's like in ISKCON, we have so many bridge programs because we take it for granted that normal temple life is not going to attract huge numbers of Western people. And so the devotees think, okay, let's, you know, let's do, I don't know, cooking classes or astrology or or just, I know I've given classes in this where they say, don't mention the word religion or God. So all these bridge programs. So in a sense, Mahabharata was Vyasa's bridge program. And, but as, but then Narada came and said, well, it's, it's a bridge to what? Because you haven't really explained enough pure devotion. So here in the Bhagavatam, what we see is Vyasa following the orders of his guru Narada and giving the real picture. This is not a bridge program. This is the Pandavas showing their pure love for Krishna. This is the Pandavas showing their pure love for Krishna, their deep, powerful devotion, something which you won't really find very much in the Mahabharata. So I will stop there for now. And now let's see if there are any questions. You know the drill. I go scrolling down, looking for questions. Let's see. And as I'm sure you know, the devotees who are asking questions are requested to put like a thousand question marks so I can see it. The question, thank you all for your comments. Can't answer them all here, but I do appreciate them all. Uh, no questions so far. Maybe this is a no question day. Uh, well, there's a question, Jagat Palana. Could Daivatani be translated as godly people, which would be more compatible with perspiring, lamenting, and leaving the cities? Okay, could we translate Daivata 
I don't think so. But due diligence, let's go back to the dictionary. First of all, this is the neuter case, Daivatani. Daivatani in Sanskrit, in this case, like yani, kani, chapapani, is the plural neuter case. And so there are daivata can mean things as an adjective, not nothing like an ordinary person. It's always because the word deva, the word daiva comes from the word deva, God. And so daivata. Now here's daivata as a neuter noun, which is what we have here because daiva. Uh, and so it is a God, a deity. Uh, it's a god or a deity. It also means, as a neuter noun, the image of a god, an idol, which doesn't, it's not a negative word, idol. It doesn't mean a false god, you know, but it means a visual image. So, so that's what the word daivata means. It does not mean a godly human being. So the answer to that question would be no, which was what makes it so remarkable that you have deities in temple uh, deities you know perspiring or weeping that's that's the that's the point that's why it's so incredibly unique okay here's the question without the question marks from virabhadra does there's one question mark at the end and although expressing depression and loss due to love for temporary things people are condemned in the material world we can see that loss of Krishna is also material and a material concept as Krishna never leaves us as he's the super soul. Oh, that's the question. There's a question mark. Uh, interesting question. Very interesting question, but, but no. Because uh, although it's true, as you say, that Krishna is always present, um, but in Krishna Leela, there is the perception of separation just like when krishna was dancing with the gopis and then he vanished and so the gopis are certainly not experiencing material emotions uh so by yoga this is yoga maya so the fact that krishna is always present everywhere and yet a devotee can believe that krishna is gone that is yoga maya and as we know uh, yoga maya creates sort of this spiritual illusion. It's spiritual because it increases our love for Krishna. Whereas Mahamaya does the opposite. Mahamaya in increases our forgetfulness of Krishna. So, so they're, they're opposite. Yoga maya makes you love Krishna more and Mahamaya makes you love Krishna less. So the obvious uh, consequence, the result of Krishna disappearing from his earthly or giving up his earthly pastimes is that the love of his devotees is greatly intensifying. So something which increases your love for Krishna, but is not technically true. I mean, technically, Krishna was still present in the pond of his hearts. Krishna was present in every atom. Krishna, he was right there in the palace, technically. But yoga maya, that's why it's called yoga maya. I mean, unless there were some tricks involved, it wouldn't be called maya. So yoga maya means that it's like when uh, 
Jashoda believes that Krishna is her child. That's actually not true. So something which you think is true, but it's not true, is a mistake. It's an illusion. However, in this case, yoga maya is an illusion that makes you love Krishna more and therefore enlightens you more because although technically you may think Krishna is not there and he really is there, but because Krishna is everything and in this yoga maya induced state, you understand more than ever that Krishna is everything. So it's a, a maya, an illusion that increases your love for Krishna. So short answer, uh, no, it is uh, not a material concept. And in the spiritual world, uh, spiritual world, that's very, yeah, you could say in the spiritual world, I mean, Krishna's parents think that they are Krishna's parents and Krishna's friends. And in a sense, they are his parents. And in a sense, they are his friends. I mean, even in the material world, for example, sometimes a child finds out, oh, I was adopted. But then, you know, and the parents are wondering, you know, the adoptive parents, you know, do you still love us or, you know, and then the child will say, no, you are my real parents. You're the ones that love me. You are the ones that raised me. So even in the material world, someone may not be the biological parent, but a child will say, well, you are my real mother. You are my real father. So it's like that. So in, 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 in a sense, Yashoda really is Krishna's mother because she loves him so much like that. But technically, no, she's not his mother in the sense that she did not give birth to Krishna's body. So again, it's yoga maya. Krishna never leaves to go to Mathura or the spiritual world. Instead, their love increases due to constant realization of Krishna's ever-increasing attractive qualities. Um, yes. So that, that's basically it. Krishna's just increasing our love. It's like, for example, even in the West, there's a, an old custom that the groom, the husband, the person, a man that's getting married, shouldn't see his bride on the wedding day until the actual wedding. So it sort of creates this suspense. So um, it's something like that. It's something like that. Uh, oh, there's a question I missed. Uh, S.P. Dira. I'll translate from Spanish. It is said that in Dwapar Yuga, the worship of the deity was the indicated dharma. Why uh, uh, isn't it said that the pond, not the pandas nor anyone else is doing some type of worship? Uh, that is a point. There's very, there's very, very little mention, very little mention of deity worship in Mahabharata or in the Bhagavatam and Dwapara Yuga. And uh, there are different ways to take this word uh, paricharya. I've explained this before. I mean, it is mentioned, like here it said, Daivatani, we have in this verse. So there were, there was a kind of worship. But what we see people really doing to liberate themselves in say in Bhagavatam, Mahabharata and Dwapara Yuga is they're personally serving Krishna because Krishna is actually there. I mean, Krishna is the Yuga avatar. It's like Lord Chaitanya is the Yuga avatar for this age. He brings the process. So we don't hear about Krishna introducing deity worship, but what we do hear in throughout the Bhagavatam and throughout Mahabharata 
is that what Krishna does introduce is personal service to himself. Because when he personally appears, all his devotees are personally serving him in different ways. And so the word paricharya, uh, I don't know if I put it in the chat, but you can see it here, but I'll explain it. Char means to move or to act like charita, that which has been done. Charita, like charitamrita, chaitanya charitamrita. So chaitanya literally means the amrita, the nectar of charita, of the deeds, the actions, what of what Lord Chaitanya did, literally. Chaitanya, uh, like it's exactly like in Spanish, los hechos, or por los fetos, and, and so on. Os fetos, los hechos. Uh, anyway, uh, so fatos in Italian. So, so charia means activities. And paricharya can mean worship, but it literally means, party means around. So it literally means you sort of, you know, you stay around someone and attend on them, so to speak. Uh, the word paricharya, let's see in the dictionary, try my luck here. It can mean circumambulation because it literally means moving around. Attendance, service, devotion, worship, because literally... Uh, when someone is the center of your life, then everything you do is based on that person. It, it, it's centered on that because if you go around something, then that which you go around is the center. So in a way, it's, you know, they don't say in Sanskrit, like, I'm centered on this. They don't literally use that term, but they use the word pari to go around. So whatever's in the middle is the center. I hope that's clear. So paricharya means that, let's say if you're serving someone, you're just going around them. They're the center. Okay, I have to go bring food to this person. I have to maybe, you know, uh, help them with this or bring that. And so that person is the center of your life. All your actions are centered on that person. Personal attendance, therefore it means attending on someone like a personal servant. And, if you th and of course, deity worship involves that also. That's why it also comes to mean, uh, you know, in, in our tradition, deity worship, because if you think about worshiping the deity, it's about becoming the personal servant of Krishna. What do you do? You wake up the deity. If you're the personal servant to someone in a very nice way with mantras, you may wake them up and you wake Krishna up in the deity form and, uh, you know, you bathe the deities, you dress the deities, you offer food put the deity to rest and so on. So that's exactly what a personal servant does for the master. So deity worship is actually a simulation, I don't want to say simulation, I don't mean that, I don't mean that Krishna is not there, but deity worship is actually a recreating of what devotees were actually doing when Krishna was personally there. They were cooking for him, they were cleaning, they were accompanying him. They were traveling with him. So, And he was always the center. Wherever Krishna went with his devotees, whether the, the gopis or the gopas, the coward boys, or the pandavas or other devotees, Krishna was the center, and all their activities were meant to please him. And so when Krishna left this world in his manifest form, and you couldn't do that directly, so then you have a deity. Then there's a deity, which is Krishna, so that you can perform the same services that the devotees were performing when Krishna was personally visible in this world.
So that's the word paricharya. And uh, I hope that clarifies something. Um, so that's what the word, and that's the word paricharya. Dvapare paricharya yam. It said that liberation is achieved in the different yugas in, in Dvapare and Dvapara Yuga, Paricharyayam, through Paricharya. So that's the word that's used in that famous verse that talks about the uh, Yuga Dharma in each age, Paricharya. So it can mean the people who are personally serving Krishna or the deity worship, which was developed really to recreate the situation of Krishna personally being in this world as the Yuga Avatar. So, Gene uh, Walker, my obeisances to you. Oh, sorry, that's not a question. Anyway, he said that, but thank you. How is it that Sutta Goswami, through Sukadev Goswami, knew what Yudhisthira was thinking, given that thoughts are private in nature? <laughs> Interesting questions. Stump the Swami today. So, um, there's an obvious answer to that. Just as, for example... All of us, I mean, I would say people who are psychologically normal or even high performing. Um, when you go through very powerful emotional experiences, you talk about it afterwards. You need to talk about it. I, I mean, I think that's really true for all of us, isn't it? That when we um, have gone through some very a difficult situation, uh, we need to talk about it. That's in a sense that that's one of the main ways that we get over our problems is that we talk about them. And I, I know women uh, and men also, you know, need to talk about it. So undoubtedly, you just hear, and also remember that all this is going on around a lot of people and you just hear undoubtedly talked about this for the rest of his life. I mean, there's certain heavy, heavy experiences I've had, which I don't talk about it every day or even every week, but it's kind of the kind of thing that you, from time to time, you talk about for the rest of your life. Undoubtedly, Yudhisthira many times talked about this with his trusted friends, his brothers, his, his priests. And so he just, about what he felt. And then, you know, I just knew when Arjun... I knew that, it, you know, that, that this had happened. So, again, these are real people. And it's not that their entire life is being described in the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam is giving you highlights. But these are real people with real lives and friends. And so, yeah, so the, the Pandavas must have talked about this a lot. That, that, in a sense, I mean, if you can use the word, that was their spiritual therapy. And so a lot of people knew it. A lot, all, everyone that was close to Yudhisthira knew what he was thinking, what he felt, and it's come down to us. And of course, this is originally composed by Vyasadeva, who knew everything anyway, because he's Vyasa and he's an avatar. So in, in, in many different ways, uh, this knowledge has come down to us. So, so um, is that it? Let's see, going, going. I see all kinds of friends here in the name. So, um, 
is just devotional practice, also a type of love if you have problems with practice. Um, yeah, the fact that you stick to it, the fact that you keep trying to serve Krishna, that shows love. Keep trying. You you never give up hope and you always believe that this is the best thing I can do with my life. So, uh, actually, there are a lot of questions. That's funny. I said maybe no questions, but there are a lot of questions. Actually, not that many more. So, uh, Claudia, the concept that proof of love is separation also applies for living beings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if your husband says, I really love you, what does he do when you're not there? Or if your wife says, I really love you, you know, what does she do when, when you're not around? I mean, if you're gone for 10 years, that's kind of an unreasonable test. But, but yeah, you know, how do people, it's like they say, oh, you know, this person is always nice to me to my face, but talks behind my back. So what do people do when you're not there? That shows you who they really are. You know, is this really a friend? Especially if you're gone for a while, you know, how do they behave? Does the friendship or love become stronger or weaker? So, Krishna Priya, good old Krishna Priya. Can we understand that the pain of separation from one's spiritual master increases one's love for, of Krishna? Yes, if it's spiritual, of course. Absolutely. Because the spiritual master, if he's doing his job right, or her job right, because, you know, it's for men and women, um, then the guru's job is to be transparent, to let you see Krishna through them, and so if you're feeling separation from the guru and the guru is doing their job right, then yes, you're feeling separation from Krishna. So I chant Hare Krishna. This is Daniel. I chant Hare, Hare Krishna every day now. Way to go. Me too. Sometimes I find it hard to focus on Krishna when chanting. Is that offensive? No. I mean, in a sense, it's, it's a sign of devotion because when you're thinking of Krishna, and you chant, then it's natural to chant. But when, let's say, the mind is giving you trouble, you and everybody else on earth, you know, when your mind is giving you trouble, but you keep chanting, that shows you're sincere, you're determined. So if you're trying your best, it's good chanting. If, you, if let's say, today or tomorrow, your best is a crazy mind that you can't focus very well on Krishna but you keep chanting, but you're trying your best, then you get full credit. And um, it shows that you're really sincere because when your mind is kind of crazy, your, your mind is wandering, there's obviously less pleasure in chanting. So when you do your duty, you keep your vows and you keep chanting, even if you're not in ecstasy, that shows real sincerity. So Lilakar, let's see. Uh, due to yoga maya there may be philosophical conclusions that technically may not be correct well no actually not because for Yashoda to think I'm Krishna's mother that's not a philosophical conclusion that's a type of love or I mean it is a conclusion but it's it's not she doesn't reason her way to that she just loves Krishna so philosophy is something where you reason your way to conclusions so in the case of yoga maya, it's not philosophy, it's, it's simply devotion. How can one distinguish the difference between yoga maya realizations and realizations based on axiomatic truth? Uh, 
Well, we should know when we're doing philosophy and when we're just feeling devotion. For example, if you feel, as we often do, that we really need to do something to get this ISKCON movement going in the Western world. And so technically, Krishna is going to do it all. And as Prabhupada taught, Krishna is going to save the world in his own way at his own time. And so an example of Yoga Maya is our feeling, which Prabhupada encouraged, that we have to help the world. We have to spread this movement. We have to serve Lord Chaitanya. So um, if your conclusion or perception leads you to increase your service to Krishna and to be more Krishna conscious, then it's good. If it reduces your Krishna consciousness, it's bad. Very simple. So, uh, Deva Dharana, when we subject ourselves, purposely or not, to any form of maya, can this be compared to the aspect of an unchaste wife? Um, yeah, Prabhupada said that we are, you know, this, all souls are female because we're subordinate to Krishna. I mean, I'm not arguing with Prabhupada. I'm simply saying that in today's world, to go out and tell the public that women are always subordinate to men is um, probably not a great preaching strategy. Also, Prabhupada took it because the word prakriti is a feminine word in Sanskrit. Uh, and we are prakriti. But then again, the word atma, soul, is a masculine word. Jiva, living being, is a masculine word. So um, to say that a man is like an unchaste wife, I understand what you're saying, but um, so I'm not, you know, absolutely rejecting what you're saying, but um, it's, uh, I mean, Krishna, I want to say here that, um, it's not, it, it, it may not be the best metaphor for this age if we're trying to spread Krishna consciousness in the modern world. That's what I'm saying. Um, so if we subject ourselves to any form of my, it's just, you know, we're just being wrong. We're, we're, doing, we're doing something which is not in our real self-interest. So, uh, thank you all again for your comments. Let's see if there's any more questions. Well, we got a lot of comments today. Um, oh, Virabhadra said, could you give a class on the on the correlating historical effects from Lord Chaitanya's appearance in world events in the 1500s? Uh, yeah, perhaps in the future I've mentioned it many times. So, thank you all for your comments. Um, so, the, and... Uh, have a great Krishna Conscious Sunday, and hopefully we will all be together again uh, next Sunday, if not sooner. Okay, thank you for thank you for coming, Hare Krishna.